This month's Where Did the Road Go is brought to you by three amazing people. Super Inframan, Allison Cook, and 36 Dingo. If you want to become a patron or a sponsor, go to wheredidtheroadgo.com. And now our show. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And this is uh, the continuation of last week's uh, mega roundtable, super roundtable, except without Taylor. So we have AP Strange, we have Super Inframan, we have Red Pill Junkie, and we have Christopher Ernst. Good evening. Hello, hello. Hey. Happy New Year. And I think think Taylor was the only other person we had last week that's not here tonight. Correct. So so it's only slightly less super than it was last. Right. Yes. Adjust adjust for the amount of super. (laughs) The same amount of super, the less amount of Taylor. Yeah. Okay. There we go. (laughs) So, uh, Red Pill, where where did we leave off? How far in the year did we even get? Uh, we barely scratched the surface, I guess. <laughs> so what, what, what's next on your list from the Daily Grail? Yeah, and by the way, uh, after we had our first part of the end of the year review, Greg Taylor at the Daily Grail did a, a list containing 150 <laughs> news. Uh, ranging from you know UFOs, conspiracies, yeah. history... Uh, science space, uh, and I, I invite anyone listening to check it out. Uh, you, you'll spend hours and hours uh, finding a lot of good content, you know. And uh, but getting back to our, our particular list, I, I think we barely talked about uh, UFOs last time, with the exception of mentioning uh, notable passings like the death of. Uh, right. Uh, John Lear and Betty Andreasson. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, another person, notable figure that passed was uh, scientist, astronomer Frank Drake, you know, famous for the, the Drake uh, equation. The Drake equation. Yeah. The, that tries to, well, I don't know if calculate, I guess, tries to have an educated guess uh, with regards to the possible number of uh, advanced civilizations in our, ga- in our galaxy. Yeah. You know what? As much as you hear about the Drake equation, I totally missed that he died in the last year. Yeah, uh, I think in October or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not yeah. even that long ago. It seems like uh, surely we would have seen that more, but that may also be me not seeing it more. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's just, you know, a guess based on what limited knowledge we have that equation. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's better than anyone else had done. <laughs> better than anyone else has done. And, you know. Even these things where it's always a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because even if it might be something that we would disagree with a lot, we'd still be like, well, this is a good place for us to, you know, uh, pull an educated guess from and then start messing around with, you know, our own hypotheses and thoughts and beliefs to plug into. 
It was a starting point. And, and, and obviously, uh, aside from the equation itself, uh, I think that the value of Drake's career was in pretty much kickstarting uh, humanity's attempt to actually reach out and contact advanced civilizations using uh, radio telescope technology. Mm. You know, he was the first one to send a message through the Arecibo telescope, radio telescope in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, obviously, he didn't get a reply. That wasn't the point. The point is that to try to show that, uh, in principle, it was possible. And he also was instrumental in, in setting up uh, SETI. Oh, okay. you know, he was kind of like one of the godfathers of, of, of SETI in a way. So yep. he was very much invested in trying to find uh, ETs using uh, known scientific methods. Obviously, you know, that kind of person is also very adverse to the idea of UFOs as, uh, you know, evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I had no idea he was instrumental in SETI, though, either. Um, mm -hmm. You know, SETI was a lot of fun in college. Uh, and I, I'm sure I, I say college that around the 2000s, you know, you could always download the uh, screensaver that would like run information for them. Did anybody else mess around with that? SETI at home? Yeah, I remember uh, yeah. having it on, on, on my computer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that was always one of those things that, you know, <laughs> think about the wow signal and a couple other things and. You know, well, I mean, I, I, for as much as the, you know, I think there is a valid argument for you know the issues with SETI, uh, there is still something, I think, in the maybe the naive wonder of it, at least at that point when I had it on. Usually, I think it was in college I had in grad school that I had it running. Um, I mean, I was a big fan of that. Uh, the the uh, <laughs> the adaptation of Carl Sagan's book Contact with yes. Jodie Foster. You know, uh, I still yeah. really like that film. Um, so why? Oh yeah. Most people I know hated it at the time, and I was like, "That was awesome." Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great too, and that's one that I, I, for us in our interest in all of this and the idea that you know we the phenomena is always elusive, and to have her, you know, Jodie Foster's character come back, and of course the tape is blank, and the only thing that they really have to go on is her word. Right. Like, well, you know, it's well like, that, it, but it, it was it was blank for longer than it was should have been. Right, right, right. They That's leave right. that hint in there. Right. Yeah, it had the runtime of what what I she experienced. She she was yeah, the runtime yeah. of her experience. Yeah. Yeah, not the uh, orb, or, or I call it a orb, being dropped right. through the. But but so I'd heard so many people be like, oh, big deal. The alien was her dad. And it's like, that's not that's not what that was. You know? I mean, it really was ahead of its time in the sense that it was at least I think for the public and that it was presenting this idea of, you know, information for a non-traditional uh, uh, type of communication device yeah. being put together, which is, you know, I mean. And not that it really says what it's doing, but it leaves it open. You know, maybe it was a consciousness projection machine. Maybe it was actually projecting her physically, but just her, you know, I mean, I think that's probably what it was leaning to. But uh, everything, you know, there is this like this idea of, you know, the idea of really showing that technology that's very far advanced does seem mystical or magical. Uh, and it also didn't, even though it was very much a hard sci-fi uh, book and film, I think that it 
allowed in this uh the sort of wonder of mysticism which i i always appreciated yeah absolutely um red pill what's next on your list before we end up talking movies the entire time right (laughs) well now that we're touching upon uh astronomy you know it's, it's a good uh opportunity to talk about the announcement that nasa did saying that they too were going to investigate uh, UAPs, you know, independently of, uh, you know, the the office whose whose name escapes me. I think it's now it's uh, the acronym is ARO, uh, the, the, the the office that is uh, part of the Pentagon in charge of, uh, you know, studying and analy- uh, analyzing uh, UAP reports uh, presented by military personnel. But uh, NASA, you know, very surprisingly said, yeah, we're going to do that, too, you know, on our our own. Now, obviously, it's going to be a very limited uh, study. They don't have the resources to conduct a massive study. I think that uh, they're going to do some kind of like meta analysis of uh, stuff they already have in their in their records to try to see if, if, if there's something there um well at least we can agree that it's a change in attitude and yeah. that is positive i think for the most part even though that i i don't have a lot of um uh i'm not very optimistic no uh with the prospect of they actually finding something you know? or or really acknowledging things Yes, yes. You know, like Valet said when he was working at the, the you know, uh, the observatory and he found them destroying tracks of, you know, data on unexplained objects. You know, it's like, mm. yeah, they can go through all that old stuff, but does it, did they keep it if they saw something weird? Yeah. And um, last year, I also wrote an article for the Daily Grail uh, talking about how in the 1970s, when President Jimmy Carter came into office, he had the idea of actually, you know, open, opening up uh, UFO classified files. And also he made a, a formal request through one of, uh, of his uh, associates to NASA to actually go and conduct a new uh, study uh, on, UFO, on UFOs, which ha- hadn't been done after uh, the University of Colorado released the infamous Condon report. Right. The one that uh, closed uh, the chapter on Blue Book and officially gave the United States an excuse to stop uh, paying attention to UFOs because, as, as the Condon report uh, concluded, uh, there weren't, uh, you know, meritorious of analysis and, and there wasn't any, you know, uh, in their mind, any evidence of, you know, uh, extraterrestrial visitation on planet Earth. But now... Uh, like I said, uh, back in, in, in the time of uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, the NASA honchos resisted uh, the, the presidential request, you know, and they found, uh, you know, a good excuse to, to uh, refuse, refuse to conduct a, a, a UFO study. And that's actually something that uh, Jacques Vallée mentions at the beginning of his book, uh, Messengers of Deception, how he... Right. Uh, had an interview with someone, I think that was, I don't remember, it was the the White House Scientific uh, Committee or Scientific uh, Advisors, 
or someone actually from NASA. But yeah, he, he was very, you know, skeptical about it. You know, like uh, one of the things uh, that he mentions in the book is that, well, NASA uh, actually wasn't really ideal for a UFO study because they, yeah, nobody has uh, proven that UFOs represent, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, some kind of like origin from outside the Earth, you know, so, so not really NASA's provenance. But uh, back in those days, you know, I guess because of the m things like the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, people uh, wanted answers and they, they assumed that the most logical thing was to ask those answers about UFOs to NASA because NASA is about studying space. And the most uh, popular uh, conception is that UFOs come from outer space. Well, sure. Where else would they come from? <laughs> I mean, that just that just makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm so jaded about this stuff that I, with NASA announcing that, I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a way to control the narrative. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they probably don't want to give up on that too, in case it becomes something that is, you know, fruitful. <laughs> They'd be like, we were here from the beginning. Remember, it's us, NASA. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, especially if if it is an opportunity to ask for more funds. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, you know, it was was it earlier this week that the head of NASA was talking about you know we're really in a space race, excuse me, space race with China now because yes. you know he's hyping up fears that China is going to land on the moon and somehow claim territory there. Yeah, claim the moon. So is we have theirs. to get there. Yeah, yeah. So we have to get there first again. They're gonna kick our flag down, man. Yep, yep. It's gonna be like <laughs> Superman four. You know, we'll have to put it back up. <laughs> man, I haven't seen Superman four since I was a kid. Oh yeah, me too. Probably better not to. It, does, it, 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 it it's it's pretty pretty corny. I I, I did re watch it re more recently than I should have. Yeah. And we're back to movies again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What's next, Red Bill? What's next? Okay, well let, let's keep talking about uh, UFOs uh, back in the in the in the middle of 2022 we had uh, the congressional hearing on, on on UFOs in which some members of Congress were demanding uh, the UAP task force you know like uh, some answers about you know what, what was going on what what kind of knowledge or, or information or evidence they possessed uh, and it was I don't know if you guys actually saw the the, the proceedings no. uh, on video I actually saw mm -hmm. the whole thing yeah uh, and it was interesting I, I wrote about for it on, on the Daily Grail and it was an interesting thing. Obviously, uh, the position of of the people in charge of the of the task force was clear. Yeah, like uh, uh, there isn't any you know, evidence of that that UFO represents some kind of like non-human intelligence. But they still acknowledge that there are a few reports that are hard to explain. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, there's also the, the idea that uh, the, the Congress uh, men or, or people uh, weren't really that insistent in, in demanding answers uh, because after the public proceedings, there was like a behind uh, closed doors uh, secret proceeding in which supposedly they received more uh, information that was classified. Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of that, uh, you know, uh, allusions during the, 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 the hearing 
But I think that what's safe to say is that it's not that uh, these politicians were shown actual, you know, really juicy evidence of UFOs, but more like uh, what seems to be happening is that the task force was more preoccupied with trying to protect American uh, technological assets, uh, you know, the new radar systems and, and the new uh, technologies that have allowed uh, pilots and aviators to actually detect these objects when they are uh, running, you know, flying maneuvers. And it seems to be the case, like, uh, uh, the task force is more interested in trying to protect these uh, assets, uh, especially from, you know, adversaries like China that we're talking about just recently, uh, because some of those UFO reports, it's clear that uh, they seem to be uh, nothing more than drones, prob probably uh, a, a, a controlled by Chinese spies or maybe spies from other uh, factions that are trying to obtain, uh, you know, uh, technological uh, electronic signatures that could be uh, useful for trying to elucidate you know, just what kind of technology the American uh, planes are running with. Yeah, I think that's very true. And that's so, you know, what so yeah. much of that comes down to is that so much of this stuff is our tech and, you know, they're never going to tell us about it, not, not for another 20 or 30 years when they have stuff that's way beyond the tech they have now. Oh, well, sure. I mean, th th there is this idea that uh, many people think that the Tic Tacs and, and other reports were actually American secret technology. But right. uh, at least at least on the hearings, uh, the people who were answering the questions, uh, they deny that. They didn't, they didn't say that uh, it was uh, like they called uh, uh, like blue objects, you know, like saying that, yeah, they're, it is ours, but we cannot disclose it because it is classified information. That wasn't the position that, that has been taken by uh, the people that were answering these questions. Like, obviously, they could be lying, you know, yeah. and, and when they are trying to uh, protect uh, classified information, I think they're, they're, they actually, they are allowed to lie uh, under oath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, ha I have my doubts. I have my doubts that, uh, and this is something that even uh, pilots like Ryan Graves, uh, who was interviewed by Joe Rogan, and Lex Friedman this year on their, on their podcast, it seems that at first Navy pilots were sure, were sure, certain that these objects were, uh, you know, secret uh, spy, spy planes or drones. But uh, gradually, as the UFO uh, encounters increased, they began to have their doubts. And now you listen to Ryan Graves. I think that he is very much in the position that uh, these objects are not, uh, you know, man-made. Right. You know, one thing that is interesting to me, uh, the way the military industrial complex, whether it be like Lockheed Martin or Boeing or something like that, can sort of be compartmentalized with how they develop technology. 
So, you know, you would be able to have the deniable plausibility of saying, you know, it's not ours, but you're really just saying it's not the military's, even though it is, right? Uh, That's always Mm. a caveat I put out there. I'm like, every time in the hearings these guys would deny certain things like that, I'm like, man, you know, even if he weren't lying to protect classified information, you may not actually know because this is – corporate property being developed for the military and until it's finished the communication's a little bit uh constrained and contracted in a way and a lot of that stuff goes to corporate entities as opposed to governmental agencies just for that reason exactly exactly and i mean one one of the most interesting things that happened during those hearings is that one of the congressmen actually submitted the i think a copy of the, the infamous uh memo uh uh, what is the name? The, the, the Wilson Davis memo. I don't know if oh, you guys are familiar yeah, the with that. Wilson memo. Yeah, yeah. We, we did we did a yeah. short episode on here about that. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was talked about, and and I, I guess among those people in in in, in the corridors of the, of uh, Washington. Uh, it's safe, I guess it's safe, it's safe to say that because of uh, the people that they have talked to, you know, like people that were. Uh, involved with to the stars in the past, uh, Chris Mellon, uh, Eric Davis, uh, Louis Lissondo, are probably some of those uh, congressmen believe that there are some, there may be some classified uh, black projects dealing with uh, uh, UFO information or maybe even UFO technology. That's why one of the la- last uh, UFO stories of the year was this uh, signing of this uh, defense bill that was uh, sent to uh, President Joe Biden, uh, and he signed it. And supposedly, well, this is something that is kind of like outside my expertise, uh, but uh, there are people who are uh, uh, knowledgeable in matters of uh, laws and and writings of, of, of laws. Uh, that in 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 some of those close clauses of um, lines of uh, in 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 that bill uh, apparently stipulate some kind of like uh, provisions or some kind of like uh, opportunity for whistleblowers to come forward and share what they supposedly may or may not know about these secret programs, uh, even even if they are like uh, restricted by. Non-disclose, uh, non-disclosure agreements and oaths that they may have uh, taken uh, under different administrations. So there is this idea that there, 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 are, there is a, a whistleblower clause in that bill, and that uh, added to the the other the. the uh, UFO report that was supposedly going to be released by Halloween of 2022, but uh, as f- to this day, uh, the day of this recording, the report has has not been uh, released to the public yet, and nobody knows really why. You know, this is why why is this uh, report being delayed for so long without nobody really giving. Uh, a lot of information about it mm. that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there apparently it's people who have uh, read the report or the you know the insiders, uh, anonymous insiders, say there are uh, uh, what maybe one of the reasons why the, the report was delayed was because the the task for office the arrow 
was receiving hundreds of, of UFO reports from military pilots, you know, mm. uh, which is good, you know, means means that they are receiving uh, new information and the military personnel are now encouraged to share their sightings, you know, to, to, to chain of the chain of command instead of, you know, keeping quiet because of the you know, ridicule factor right, right, that yeah. used to uh, reign uh, on, over these circumstances, you know, like in decades past. You know, yeah. Commander Fravor, what happened to, to them when they just arrived to the Nimitz, to the USS Nimitz after having their encounter with the Tic Tac, you know, and they were greeted with the music of the X-Files. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, everything goes back to the X-Files. Yeah, of course. <laughs> So there's that. That's the go-to with the media. Got to play the X-Files music. Got to play the X-Files. You know, if you're going to mention that and we're talking about government connections, uh, do you want to mention the Calvine photo now or, or bring it up later? It doesn't matter. Let's talk about the Calvine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that is pr probably to me one of the most interesting uh, UFO stories of 2022 that after 32 years, this uh, legendary photograph that uh, supposedly had been hanging on the office <laughs> of, uh, you know, Nick Pope, uh, his MOD desk, uh, and was supposedly as, uh, uh, an incredibly stunning uh, evidence uh, of, uh, of an actual UFO, uh, just came to the surface uh, last year, you know, the famous Calvin photograph that was supposedly taken uh, in Scotland uh, by two hikers that observed this uh, large diamond-shaped uh, metal-looking object that apparently also was being, I don't know if escorted or being uh, followed or chased by uh, a fighter jet, a Harrier, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So the, mm -hmm. the photograph is now uh, easily uh, available, easily, easily located uh, or, or is easy to find uh, on the internet. And right. I don't know, would like to know you guys what is your opinion of the supposedly great uh, UFO photo from the 1990s? Well, first of all, weren't there supposedly a few of them and only one got released or something like that? Yeah, that's a story. Yeah. The story is that these guys took more than one photograph and apparently mm -hmm. they, they, they released everything to the MOV. Yeah. There's also the, I mean, the first thing I remember when I think I was one of the ones who, when we did a show on this or did something, we talked about we did, it. We did a short on this. Degree. Yeah. A shorty, a shorty yeah, on short. this. Yeah. Is that, uh, the, like when you search it, the, the, the thing that pops up more than the actual photo is this recreation somebody did at some point, which looks yeah. almost photorealistic, but is not the photograph. So if anybody is looking for this, and you see a photo that has mountains that are in the the bottom. That's not the one. Uh, you have to look for one that has a like a fence on the bottom. Um, yes. Anyway, and it looks obviously like an older photo. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, without seeing it in truly full definition, because I feel like everything that I'm seeing is some uh, lesser print of it. It's hard to tell if it's a reflection in a pond or if it is indeed a trying, you know, uh, a double pyramid being followed by a jet. Um, well, the, the, the one thing I was fairly, uh, was fairly interesting is someone on Reddit 
took a picture from that ex- a pretty much exact location mm. and compared it, and that's actually a mountaintop. What it, is? The, what what the, looks like the UFO is the top, top of a mountain, and oh. uh, it's shrouded in clouds. Interesting. And then it's like mist, and we're seeing a reflection or something? No, it's just the peak is coming out of the, cra- the clouds. Huh. And because the, they laid up, you know, the picture, another picture taken in that exact same spot, against huh. this picture and they're like look you can see that's the tip of the mountain I, I, I like there were a lot of people trying to debunk the photograph yeah i've heard this the the, the theory that it was a reflection on a pond that it was a top of a mountain and another explanation was that someone just hung uh, a Christmas decoration, you know, a star that mm. the, the one like like the ones that you put on top of, of a Christmas mm-hmm. tree, and they somehow hung it horizontally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's what what you get. But uh, I don't know. To my to my mind, uh, those are just uh, you know poss- possibilities, but it's not definitive. You know, as far as far as I know, this this, this photograph is still. Uh, an unknown, you know, still not being officially debunked. And and also another interesting thing is that Nick Pope is playing his usual, well, I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. This is actually <laughs> You're right. the actual Calvine photograph, you know. <laughs> so he's playing that that uh, that game. It's always fun when he does that. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's what's next on your list there, Mr. Red Pill? What else would we talk about? Um, well, we could also talk about uh, Avi Loeb trying to find what he thinks is a crashed uh, extraterrestrial probe in the bottom of the ocean oh, yeah. in Papua New Guinea. I only heard about this recently. Well, he's been talking about that for you know almost an entire year. The, 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 I don't know uh, Where's how the location? far. The, Papua New Guinea. Yeah. It's Papua New Guinea. Okay, yeah. Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Uh, uh, which also actually reminds me of that very famous uh, UFO case from the 1950s. Remember the, the story of of Father Gillis or Father Gills, I think. Oh yeah. You know that how they were seeing this like uh, flying structure with uh, what they thought were people on top of it doing some kind of repairs, and uh, the people uh, back in the beach they were doing like attempts to communicate with them, you know, like waving their hands and something, and they actually got a response. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, and the most interesting interesting thing about that case that is that uh, for the longest time, Father Gills was certain that. It wasn't uh, something out of the ordinary, you know. He thought it was some kind of like uh, secret advanced uh, flying machine from from the Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, the the first place my brain went when you mentioned Papua New Guinea too is uh, the rope and sightings out there that are supposed to be bioluminescent, mm-hmm. where they would see the lights going, you know, in and out of the water and what have you. Yeah, and also another interesting thing about. Uh, the, the Father Gillis case uh, is that even before they actually had the sightings, it seems that there were already uh, high strangeness events uh, happening around his mission. 
Uh, this is something that actually oh, uh, I didn't I'm not know that. Mm. I'm not sure if uh, uh, I think uh, Valet talks about it in his book, uh, in one of his uh, Forbidden Science books. Uh, but yeah, the, the idea that uh, one night someone knocked at the door of uh, Father Hill, uh, Father Gill's uh, home, he went to answer the door, and there was no nobody there. And you will say, well, maybe, you know, some of the kids played a prank on him, but it's kind of unlikely because he was such a revered figure. Uh, so it sounds almost like there was like uh, high strangeness activity that it was boiling up uh, even prior to the actual uh, event. Or I, I should, should should we say events? Because I think that uh, the object was seen at, at least two nights in a row. If I'm yeah, not it happened. I, I do remember that it happened like two nights in a row, and I think that it was yeah, you know, like completely repeatable. And like the 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 men, quote unquote, from the top of it, you know, were waving to them and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so well, getting back to Avi Love, he, yeah, he, I think that. Uh, Project Galileo main Project Galileo's main goal right now is to try to uh, prepare this uh, mission or this uh, uh, expedition to try and locate uh, what seems to be uh, a meteorite, metallic meteorite of a. Uh, from outside the solar system and and love. I don't know for why why he thinks there's a. Uh, a high probability that it is uh, of artificial origin. I don't know, maybe something to do with the trajectory that the object uh, displayed prior to crashing into the ocean. Uh, but uh, it will be interesting to see if we actually find something. Well, and that's one of those things. I put that up there with the Cydonia stuff. Like, if there's even the slightest chance, go for it. You know, like, I, ne oh, I, never, un I never understood the whole NASA thing with, like, Oh, this looks like a face. Well, we know there's no life on Mars, so we're not going to look there. It's like, right. but what? But look, you know, there's a slight chance that these could be artificial structures. Wouldn't that be the the game changer? Oh, you don't want the game changer, do you? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right. What's next on the list, Red Pill? What's next on the list? Things that happened in 2022, because apparently we're in a different year now. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it yet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's still 2020. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another interesting thing that happened uh, is that uh, NASA, for the first time, attempted uh, and successfully managed to uh, to crash a probe into an asteroid in order to try to deflect its trajectory. And this is something that is very important because it could prove useful in the future uh, to, to try to protect our planet from some kind of like one of those giant killer asteroids that wiped out uh, the dinosaurs or maybe yeah. even the, the megafauna in, in North America like 13, uh, 15,000 years ago. So this is the first time that uh, something like this was ever attempted. It was a very modest uh, exercise, but nevertheless, you know, it's it's, it's exciting because uh, this is something that we should have done decades ago. It's, it's really inconceivable how 
naked and how uh, impotent we are uh, to all those uh, giant killer rocks that are just seeping around orbiting our, uh, near our planet. Yeah. I've always wondered if that's, we've talked about this on the show some, the reason we are so resistant to talking about uh, cataclysms happening at different times is we kind of like to bury our head in the sand about it. You know, it's one yeah. thing if it was 65 or I forget the the, the one before that with the, the asteroid that hit. But, um, you know, if we avoid the topic entirely because we don't want to think about it because we seem fairly powerless to do anything uh, about a meteor that might be coming at Earth that or I say meteor asteroid. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> well, I mean, we had Tunguska in, in 1908. That's we, true. And we had the one that also hit in Russia uh, just a few years ago that killed a bunch of people. That's right. I, it mm-hmm. wasn't I wasn't uh, Siberia. I can't remember where that one was, but Russia. Chelyablins, something like that. I, I don't remember the, mm. the actual name. Russia's like a, a, a magnet for these things, apparently, but it also is a very <laughs> large span of land. So, But imagine yes. if Tunguska had hit London or you know New York City right. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been world changing yes so yeah, and i mean that was a small enough one to burn up in the atmosphere i think too wasn't it yeah it was yeah. just kind of yeah well it, it, it looks impact. it looks like it exploded in the air right yeah yeah like an air burst right is that yeah. what they called it yeah. yeah yeah so that wasn't even an impact right so <laughs> that, that's the thing is like if you had an actual impact that would be even worse i would think yeah, that went off more like oh a, yeah, a, a absolutely. Nu- that one went off more like a nuclear bomb, according to the the spread, like the devastation pattern, like where it blew up above the surface, which is why they never found a crater. Yeah, it like blew all the tops off the trees and stuff. Yeah, but even yeah. the way it knocked them down, like it was more on one side than the other, rather than a circular sort of uh, situation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think the most bizarre thing about that, too, was um, I think directly under it, there was a patch of trees that were largely unaffected. Yes. That, that again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is just bizarre. Yeah. Like, how do you explode in a, a such a way that there's not force going out in every direction, uh, even minimally? Um, and I, did they hear that all the way in London or was it the light that they saw all the way in London? Oh, the light. I think it I was think the light. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I think it was Charles Berlitz wrote a book on it and was saying that there were other sightings of this thing and that it changed direction as it was coming in toward the earth. Wow. Because awesome. if, if it wasn't him, it was some, someone else like, like Charles, uh, who was just, you know, speculating, oh, this could have been a UFO coming in and, you know, just self-destructed or whatever before it hit the planet. But that, because I, I guess he was able to find a couple of articles suggesting it was like, moving one direction over China or Mongolia, and then it switched and moved northward towards Siberia. Wow. It might have just been the inability of people to track it effectively with the equipment at the time, too. Right, yes. 1908 is is a big technological leap from where we are now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's also the people that say it was actually Nikola Tesla's death ray. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not the most likely, but it is absolutely my favorite version of that. <laughs> it's a very fun one to to consider for a minute. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> was he in yeah. Europe then, or was he? He hadn't gone to Colorado yet. I don't think. I th- Not by 1908. I don't think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think he was in New Jersey or New York. Yeah. Something like that. So, um, yeah, New Jersey probably. Right. Yeah. The Warden Warden Cliff Tower. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, up in Buffalo or Niagara Falls, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, yeah. I think that was a little earlier. But maybe, um, yeah, he was, uh, I don't know. I like, I like the idea of him just kind of flipping a switch somewhere on the East coast. And then this happening and him just kind of being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to abandon that one. That one's not, <laughs> that one's not ready for showtime just yet. You're like, whoops. Okay. <laughs> and if I remember Tunguska didn't kill anyone. Oh, it was a remote area. Yeah. I think, I think a few people, uh, were injured. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, people got thrown off their like, feet and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. By the past. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, a super remote area from what I understand. Like there were villages kind of near it, but yeah, it, um, it hit in the perfect place to not kill anyone. Yeah, that's the thing. Obviously, that's uh, kind of like uh, makes you wonder if it's actually something other than the most parsim- mo- most parsimonious explanation that it was just um, uh, a comet. Yeah. Uh, because we've been so lucky, you know, yeah, at least for really the last... Have. 15,000 years uh, with those, uh, you know, killer objects from outer space. Well, there's a pretty good likelihood that something from space would hit water, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of ocean. So yeah, yeah. But even if it, I mean, even if it hits water, if it's a big enough rock, it can, you know, create all sorts of health. You know, remember that the, the right. Chichulub uh, asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. It, it landed on water you know yeah. ne- near the uh, you know the, the yucatan peninsula oh yeah mm-hmm. a big enough asteroid is going to create worldwide tidal waves volcanic activity earthquakes it's, it's a world-ending event yeah 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 no matter where it lands so yeah the fact mm-hmm. that nasa was able to actually the nasa was able to actually alter the course of that asteroid right mm-hmm. yes yeah they were yep uh, I think it's a techno- technological marvel. I mean, I just imagine what goes into figuring out how to land on a moving object and then change the tra- trajectory. It's yeah. uh, mm-hmm. way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like trying to hit uh, like uh, a flying bullet with a li- even smaller bullet. <laughs> yeah, actually, that, while, actually while you're cool on stuff. a while you're on a, a moving train, because right. <laughs> exactly something something to that effect. But yes. you have you have a lot of time to calculate it because that bullet's been fired a long time ago and has a long way to go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least you have that. Yeah, but I mean, you're not even merely trying to impact, you know, like contact it. You have to actually land on it, and then uh, isn't that what happened? Or am I thinking of something else? Didn't they? Yeah, well, it, didn't they land an object on the comet? That was, I think, a different mission. Yeah. That okay. Was All right. I'm thinking of something else, but still, either yeah. way, both things are very impressive. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah. uh, 10, 15 years ago, the idea of uh, man-made probes landing on asteroids and comets uh, was the provenance of science fiction. And now it's becoming more and more common. So now yeah, it's one of the, you know, actually exciting things that, that's been having happening on the scientific uh, fields in the last uh, few decades. Mm-hmm. I wish we would send some more underwater, but you know, that's just me. Well, that's where uh, Abby Love is coming. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. 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 
All right. What's next on the list, RPJ? Okay, let's let's change gears a little bit. Let's go and remember that weird ass story of the Google engineer who claimed that one of uh, <laughs> right. uh, Google's artificial intelligence programs have actually uh, turned sentient. I vaguely remember this. Remember the guy named Black Lemoyne? I, I don't remember his name, but Google was searching for it for no particular reason when, when you said that. <laughs> oh, I heard Alexa in the background. Here you go. Is that what it was? Oh, my God. That's, Are you talking about me? Yeah. It like knows. Yeah. I can't let you do that, Soraya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what what was the outcome of that? Did, did, I think Google just dismissed him and said he was overselling it or something. Was that the the that? Yeah, yeah. The, obviously, Google, uh, the company, uh, and their the spokespersons does not share uh, Blake Lemoyne's uh, conclusions. And I think I, I listened to one interview with him. I don't know if it was with Duncan Trussell. Yeah, I think it was with Duncan Trussell, and it was an interesting interesting uh conversation the guy by the way he's uh i think he's a discordian priest oh <laughs> so uh, that goes to show that his way of thinking is pretty much out of left field but his arguments were interesting nonetheless you know it almost in a way reminded me of what happened like 500 years ago with uh the natives of the Americas, you know, when, when the Spanish conquistadors came and they were starting to treat them like uh, cattle you know, and uh, making slaves out of them. And there were a few uh, Europeans, uh, religious people like uh, Cristobal de las Casas. They were trying to argue you know, about against such uh, inhumane treatment. Uh, and there were famous uh, trials that happened in, in, in Europe in, in which they were trying to determine whether uh, the American natives were actually human or not. <laughs> if, if, if the uh, 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 American natives actually had a soul. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a, an interesting like parallel in my mind, at least, of uh, about those discussions and now these discussions because obviously Google has a, uh, a, a, a an economic economic interest in dismissing these claims because they need to keep treating these programs as a commodity, you know, as a, a, a sure. as product that that can be marketable and can be profited from. Uh, but obviously that will change if the products uh, are treated like sentient beings, which is like Blake, what Blake Lemoyne was arguing for. Uh, so I think maybe, I don't know, maybe 500 years from now, uh, our uh, artificial descendants will treat Blake Lemoyne like uh, <laughs> uh, some kind of like this, their digital San Cristobal de las Casas. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Or like an early abolitionist or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I have no doubt we will get that wrong. <laughs> you know, it's, I used to be much more optimistic about the human race, but I'm like, oh, yeah, we would totally take advantage of that and make money as long as we could. Oh, yeah, certainly. <laughs> I'm also not sure if true AI is possible. Also true. Also true. So. What, what, what's next, Red Pill? 
what what else can we talk about? You know, somebody did a, a tarot deck this year. I heard yeah, that. Wasn't it? Who was that guy? Story. Wasn't it a UFO-based tarot deck? Something. Like yeah, some idiots tried to to, <laughs> to combine uh, the history of ufology with uh, with the, the ancient uh, tarot art. Yeah, and uh, you know it was an interesting experience, and uh, the first part of the project has been completed, the major arcana, uh, and hopefully in the future, I don't know if the near future, uh, we will be able to resume the project and 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 complete the major arcana. I don't, we we, we still don't know how we're gonna do it. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna divide the project first into the. You know the the different how, how do you call this uh, houses the houses or how how we might pull it off because man those are a lot of cards yes that need yes, to be drawn it's a lot of work and I'm I'll be happy to do it uh, provided I, <laughs> I actually find some some way to sustain myself while while I uh, you know churn them off. Can, can one can can one of the yeah. cards be the drawing of you kicking 2022 between the legs <laughs> <laughs> we actually want to uh some somehow embed ourselves into the cards uh we don't know how to do that yet but yeah we you know greg uh, Susan, Josh, David and I you know uh, maybe we we will be featured uh, in some of the cards because we have this idea that yeah maybe you know if we pull it off we might become some kind of avatars that people will <laughs> summon us well, <laughs> you, 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 you are drawing all the stuff in your own blood right <laughs> almost, you know, <laughs> almost. And, and I don't know if I talked to you guys about the many 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 synchronicities that happened uh, while doing these cards uh, not just to me, uh, but also uh, to the team. Also, uh, friends of ours that are, are uh, uh, were contributors to the to the project. Well, yeah, I mean, I have no question in my mind that uh, we are in the process of uh, a magical experiment of some sort. Mm. You know, so yeah. I have a, a trade paperback of a, a sort of deconstruction comic book from back in the day called Squadron Supreme. And it was written by Mark Grunewald. And when Mark passed away probably 10 years ago, they took his ashes and put it into the ink of the most recent printing, I think, of Squadron Supreme. Mm. So mm. if you happen to have that version, you know, there is potentially like, you know, microscopic bits of ash that came from Mark. Not that I think that any of you guys should uh, die and cremate yourselves, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, this is kind of cool. It, it feels like a relic. Yeah. In a way. Hmm. Um, and that tarot deck is shipping out when, uh, Red Pill, you know? Oh, God. Uh, uh, we're still finishing up details. Um uh, uh, arranging things with the printer uh hopefully by at least the end of this this week or maybe beginning of the next we'll finally go with the uh, green light and and uh, and uh begin uh printing the books because i think that actually the the cards are all printed by now we're still although we still need to go and and, and 
and produce the boxes in which they they will be uh, a, mm-hmm. put into. Uh, but still, there there are other things that we we still need to finish before I actually go and make the trip to the United States to help Greg uh, sending these to the mail and actually do what we promised, which is to sign them, you know, uh, ah. for for the for the, the backers in order to make them uh, collectors items because we are being asked at time and again. If we are actually going to sell the sell this in some kind of online store or something, and definitely we're interested in doing that, we still don't know how. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, the the cards that will be sent to the to the backers, they will be numbered in order to make them, uh, you know, like the first run. You right, know, right uh, yeah. to make them more unique and also you know they will be signed uh, by each and every one of the the members of the ufology tarot team you know greg who is the, the the head and the originator of the project myself the artist susan josh and david you know who are also participants and and they contributed uh with the, the entries for the book, which is, uh, I think, is going to be something really unique, uh, because in the book you will be able to actually uh, contemplate the artwork in all its detail. You know, all the things that I put there. Uh, you know, all the you, things that are meant to, to represent aspects of the lives of uh, the people depicted in the cards. Uh, a lot of inside baseball uh, uh, knowledge, and even things that I'm putting there that I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> you know, little uh, little mysteries that I'm leaving behind. As you should. Oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, what's what's next up on the list? Okay, what else? We could talk about uh, conspiracies and how thousands of records pertaining to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy were recently released, but not uh, all as of them. Was, not all of them. Yeah, there's st- the, the the FBI and the CIA were still asking in yeah. the Biden administration to withhold yeah. some of those records. Got to keep some. <laughs> Here, here's the thing: if they told us the real story, what do they need to hide the records for? Right. Were they they are alleging that there are still people involved in, in the event that are still alive, so they're still trying to protect uh, their identities, which is sounds like a pretty lame excuse, but yeah. well, you know, I think personally I think that what they're trying to hide is uh or protect is the fact that uh Lee Harvey Oswald was involved with the CIA in some capacity. Yeah. Oh and, and it was almost certainly a patsy. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whether the CIA did it, whether the mob did it, whether it was a rogue group that did it, um, I always found it interesting that uh, Russ Baker's book on the Bush's uh, family, the Bush family, showed that, you know, like uh, Bush Sr. there when he was asked where he was when JFK was killed, said he didn't remember. Yeah. And it turns out he was speaking at a Republican convention not very far away, 
after being yes. in Dallas that morning to meet up with some other high-ranking officials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that it's pretty obvious that it was, you know, the machinations of Dullis and his crew. Yeah. yeah, And that involved uh, Bush Sr. as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, uh, Dulles owned everybody at that point. So, And I, I, we may never, I, they're never going to admit that because yeah. that would essentially, you know, if you, if you admit someone like Bush Sr. was involved with, you know, the JFK assassination, that's, that's someone who was vice president and and president for you know how many years there 12 years yep yeah 12 and and he was the director of the cia for a while too exactly (laughs) he he was pretty much right Mm -hmm. pretty much right around the time all those mk ultra files mysteriously disappeared yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and he was officially director of the cia but a lot of people have said he was the unofficial director of the cia for a lot longer Mm. yeah and so. don't forget, it's quite possible that uh, Barbara Bush had an affair with Alistair Crowley. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> now, what, what was the origin of that? Didn't someone just make it up and it caught on or something? I, I think it, yeah, it had to do with them. Like, I don't know. They would like, would have I think, been I think someone was trying to say that Donald Trump was their love child. It was the, Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're right. It was Mary Trump. Or was it Mary? It wasn't, uh, for some reason I felt like Barbara Bush. Also no, it was, was Barbara Bush. Was it Barbara Bush? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm saying uh, the result of, of that union was Donald Trump. According <laughs> oh, to was, oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a joke. I mean, I don't yes. think anybody yes. seriously thinks yeah, any of this yeah. happened. Yeah, I don't think Crowley was up to the task at that time of his life. Right? Yeah, that's the right. Yeah, because <laughs> he died in forty-seven. So yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. red red pill. What's next on your your list there? Well, pr- pretty much uh, finished with the like the major stories of twenty twenty two. We can now talk about uh, some other minor stories which were. Nevertheless, interesting, you know, some of the things that uh, are kind of like uh, weird. Okay, well, let's, a lot of- let, let's take a quick break then, and we'll come right back and we'll get into those. I want to pause here to thank everyone listening to this show, everyone who supports the show, rates it, talks to other people about it, uh, everyone who's a patron, everyone who helps us out. We're almost at 10 years, and that's amazing to me. So thank you all. Uh, this is where I recommend stuff <clears throat> and give you some basic info. Um, if you have any stories you'd like to share for our listener story show, stories at com is the place to send them. You can also contact us at contact at com, and all our social media links and stuff are on the website at com. As for recommendations, I'm going to give you a double shot here. Uh, the first one. These are both uh, from the company Realm. These are both podcasts, and they're both fiction. The first one is called The Subjective Truth. It's a very interesting podcast. It's very uh, weird as well, uh, almost surreal. And it's about uh, a guy who goes missing, and they're trying to figure out what actually happened to him. And there's, there's a lot of little Fortean things in it that are pretty neat. And somewhere in there, they mention a movie called Two Flat Earthers Kidnap a Freemason. And I heard that I had actually listened to the podcast Two Flat Earthers Kidnap a Freemason before listening to the subject of truth and realized that the subject of truth came first. They must have just thrown that in the background and somebody had the brilliant idea of this should actually exist. Uh, So not as a movie, but as a podcast, Two Flat Earthers Kidnap a Freemason is pretty damn funny. 
Uh, it, there's nothing really super esoteric about it or anything like that. It's just funny. It pokes fun at all the, the really ridiculous stuff in the subjects that we talk about on this show. And uh, I definitely enjoy it a great deal. So, yeah, those are my recommendations. Subjective Truth, Two Flat Earthers, Kidnap a Freemason. They're both on Realm. Again, Realm is uh, one of those, uh, I, don't, I don't know, they were a bigger uh, distributor of podcasts. But a lot of their stuff is pretty decent. I generally find it pretty entertaining. It's almost all fiction as far as I've heard anyway. So there you go. That's my recommendations for you podcast-wise this week. And, uh, oh, I should also say if you, you want to mail something to me, I did finally go and establish a P.O. Box, and it's P.O. Box 444, Ovid, New York, 14521. And with that, let's get back to our conversation. So I am here on Where Did the Road Go with a super inframan, red pill junkie, Christopher Ernst, and A.P. Strange. That's all their real names. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Except Chris. Except me, yeah. <laughs> it's the only alias here. <laughs> yeah. And what we're doing is we've been talking about stuff that happened in 2023. No, nope. 2022. Or whatever year it might be. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. 2023 uh, would be a pretty short show. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It really hasn't been that much yet. We're recording this on the 4th. I'm sure, I'm sure stuff happened. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of musicians died already. Yeah. So, all right. So, what else do you got on your paranormal radar there, Red Pill? Okay. So, this is this is one that caught my uh, eye. The the story of an elephant that trampled a woman to death, and after the woman died and and, and she was uh, being uh, buried, the elephant returned <laughs> and tramp and trampled her grave or or her coffin. And, you know, it's like one of those stories that show how animals are far more intelligent than we usually give them credit for. Like, and, and this particular animal, this particular elephant seem to have had some kind of like deep quarrel yeah. with uh, the woman. <laughs> but I want to know what she did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea that, yeah, maybe... Maybe the woman had done something to the elephant, and the elephant, well, the, elef the elephants never forget, right? Well, they are extremely <laughs> smart animals. Yeah. And I think the fact that they're so different from us, we don't really recognize that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They mourn their dead. They, they do all kinds of very, I mean, you could say human sort of things. But if other animals are doing them too, then maybe they're not just human traits. Maybe they're life traits. I don't know what yeah, else to was, call it. Or it was, you know, still proving that elephants are incredibly intelligent and this one was just a real dick. <laughs> That's also possible. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been a past life rest retribution thing as well. well there we go. I've been wronged in a past life and came back to, you know, really stick it to her. <laughs> wow. I didn't even, I vaguely remember hearing about that. All right, what, what, what else is on that list? Uh, another one about animals. I don't know if you guys saw, there were a lot of really weird videos showing animals uh, uh, walking on circles for oh, yeah. reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, flocks of sheep. Yep. Uh, I think that, I don't know what other kind but of animals. Goats, were. too, maybe? Yeah, goats, too. And 
I think one of those videos were was filmed in China. Uh, and it's one of those things like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Because apparently these animals were doing that for days on end. Yeah. Makes similar there... things been recorded like right before a natural disaster. Right? Yeah. yeah. Weren't there weird behaviors? Geese or something doing it as well? I think so, yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know, I, for some reason it uh, makes me think of those, uh, the dancing plagues of the Middle Ages. Mm. You know, the mm -hmm, whole sure. towns yeah. that were stricken by, the, you know, the town folks had this uh, compulsion to start, you know, dancing on the streets until they collapsed on some of them, you know, di died of exhaustion. Um, and there's even uh, 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 the, the, the legend has it that people believe that the reason behind uh, the, the, the dancing fever is because of uh, a spider that, that beat uh, the victims. Really, uh, and that's why. Yeah, I think that is the actually the origin of the word tarantella. You know, this famous uh, Italian oh, dance. Yeah, because they thought that it, it was caused by a tarantula. <laughs> wow. Huh. And yeah, don't they dance like in a circle for that too? Can Probably. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. That I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah, the animals mm. running in circles makes makes me think something's disturbing there. Their neurology somewhere, you know, like if, if they're picking up cues from the environment, something's, you know, weird with the environment. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, magnetic, yep. magnetic fields. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the magnetic. The, maybe the the magnetic poles are shifting. Well, they um, are. And there's a they're affecting the animals in that way. I mean, there's so much going on with our our magnetic the magnetic structures of the Earth. Um, that are that are just constantly changing, and animals are much more sensitive to that than we are. It still affects us. We're just not aware that it's affecting us. Yeah, I mean, I, I would yeah. feel like animals are going to be the first ones that will end up being impacted by, uh, you know, whatever. And I'm, believe me, I'm not saying five G, but you know, uh, <laughs> animals will increasingly become affected the more we're dealing with wireless technology, and yes. even if it just means that it's disrupting the natural magnetic field that they are attenuated to, you know? Yep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no way we're pumping all these, these different electrical, uh, wireless fields and stuff into the environment and not affecting it. I mean, everything affects everything else and stuff is made of vibration and these are different types of vibration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 5G, yeah, I don't think 5G was causing COVID. Uh, I don't think it, it's, it's there to kill anyone. <laughs> But we, I don't think we fully understand the effects it has on people. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. Because I, I mean, think we're, we're yeah. saturated. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Sarah. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, we're, we're saturated in different types of uh, EMF and electrical signals. I mean, just as, you know, Wi-Fi proliferates. And, of course, we've been having radio signals bounce through our bodies forever. Um, and just adding to that as our cellular networks grow, Bluetooth everywhere. There's got to be some physiological effects from that. I mean, it just there should. Be. I mean, it is radiation. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, weren't there some like bird die-offs too, where there were a bunch of? I don't think it was this. It might not have been this past year, but I think there were a couple news stories 
in the last few years of yes. uh, just like birds yeah. dropping out of the sky yeah. in like great numbers in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. But, the the, the problem so, yeah. the problem with our yeah. technology is that you know it, it advances so fast, and on the surface it seems like it's harmless. But we don't know what the long-term consequences are. We don't know what the subtle consequences are because, it, you know, because it's subtle, because it's yeah. hard to tell, it could be doing, damaging us in any number of ways that we may never notice. It might be a hundred years from now before they go, huh, look, they didn't think this stuff was hurting them. I mean, the, the leaps in technology are, and you just have to look at it, you know, historically in, you know, unless there is a massive conspiracy to cover up, you know, uh, the real history of the past, like 4,000 years. And I think, you know, arguably there isn't to some degree, but we have a general idea. And at least as far as we know, there were not 8 billion people on earth 4,000 years ago or any time between then and now. Right. And we jumped up quick, man. I mean, you just look at the graphs and, you know, of the post-industrial revolution. It's insane. Yep. You know, the amount of people we have and how fast technology has jumped. Um, You know, it's really like objectively mind boggling. And there's going to be, you know, we're seeing the fallout of that, you know, because there's so much that's not known yeah yeah um what else you got there red pill well as chris uh, has uh, recent recently mentioned uh yeah uh, the announcement was made that uh, humanity just reached eight billion mm-hmm. people here and obviously it's it's, it's going to be a problem trying to maintain such a large population one of the biggest uh uh problems ahead of uh humanity is in how to try to harness more energy that is sustainable that is not uh created by you know burning fossil fuels which is obviously causing a lot of distress in our ecosystems and and, yeah warming the planet so one of the hopeful things that happened uh, by the end of last year was this announcement made by the U.S. Department of Energy that apparently they had done a major breakthrough in in, in uh, fusion research. I don't know if you guys uh, listened to that. There, there was uh, there mm-hmm. were a few articles in major uh, newspapers, including the the New York Times. And I wrote a a small piece about it uh, for the Daily Grail, how uh, apparently for the first time they actually obtained more energy out of uh, their experiment that they put into the experiment. Although theoretically they didn't account uh, the energy they needed in order to fire the lasers they used. They used uh, an array of 192 lasers that were focused on a small pellet of uh, hydrogen, of deuterium, deuterium and tritium, which are the heavy isotopes of the hydrogen uh, atom. Uh, this uh, pellet that was no smaller than a BB gun then was bombarded by these super powerful lasers. And the experiment actually didn't take, take into account the energy that they needed in order to, to ready the, the lasers. But still, a lot of scientists were saying that it was a really uh, major advancement in in fusion research. So now, instead of saying that nuclear fusion is 50 years in the in the horizon, now they're saying that perhaps it is just 20 years in the horizon. That will be, you know, maybe by you know 
2050, uh, we will start seeing the first uh, nuclear fusion plants being developed for uh, 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 for public uh, the development of uh, energy. Yeah. Red Pill did... Uh did you end up writing about the the smaller like containment for cold fusion too that can contain heat that's like the size of a f-16 fuselage uh i saw some different no i didn't that okay i, I that mean was- cold fusion is this stuff that you know it's uh it's, it's highly controversial you know right right you you i think 95 percent of scientists think it's just uh hogwash a myth mm-hmm. uh Although I, I think that uh, experiments in cold fusion are still taking place in you know very harsh in a very quiet way. Yes. Um, some major universities. Uh, I personally don't put a lot of stock on the concept of of, of fusion. I think yeah something might be happening uh, in those experiments, but I don't think it can be scaled in such a way that I can actually represent uh an opportunity to the you know produce the energy in in large quantities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean energy clean food clean water these these are all issues that become more urgent with the size of the population and of course the the you know the fact that so much stuff is misdistributed you have people in third world countries starving where you have people in first world countries throwing food out yeah, exactly. So that that that's part of the issue, and there's just too man too damn many people. <laughs> well, it's too damn many people, and also the fact that uh, you know all those people are demanding more and more uh, commodities, more and more energy. Uh, yeah. If, uh, if we had another planet to to you know uh, build mm-hmm. to, that would be great. Let's get Mars going. Well, you know, there's all this talk about uh, helium-3 that will be readily available right. once right. we ma- manage to start mining the moon. Yep. Right. Yeah. But like you guys said, you know, there's all these contentions that uh, China and other countries might start to claim that the moon is their property. So <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Want, Maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't wonder if it's going to take asteroid mining where it's really like, you know, whatever flying rocks you can find, because there actually are a lot of, uh, you know, resources on them. If you could figure out and locate and get them, there'd be, I think, less of a proprietary sort of national uh, thing on it. I don't know. I think it's something like the Expanse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think about that. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what came to mind with the belters and stuff. Yeah. Well, I remember that 10 years ago, there were all these stories uh, about people like James Cameron getting involved with these uh, space mining companies that wanted to do just that, start uh, mining asteroids. But, uh, you know, nothing came of it. I mean, I think, I guess uh, they were ahead of, of their time and, and the technology wasn't mature enough to start actually doing that. Right. Hmm. What what else you got there? We got time for a couple more. Okay, a couple more. We can talk about uh, Ancient Apocalypse. You know the 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 series that uh, Graham Hancock released uh, before the end of the year. That has been. I, I, you guys already did a, a show uh, devoted to it, but I guess it's safe to say that <laughs> has been quite controversial. Yeah. I yeah. did not expect <laughs> the type of controversy 
Um, right. Because there, yeah. there are people who really, who are into this stuff who really hate Graham Hancock, which I did not know. You know, the last time I checked, I thought most people had a pretty decent opinion of Graham. Um, yeah. And I, I was kind of shocked by some of, some of the, the really vehement, like, oh, I really hate Graham Hancock type of stuff. And I'm like, huh. You know, and, and as well as the races, you know, accusing him of racism and stuff like this that I just simply don't see. Uh, just right. be, just because you're saying there was an ancient culture at some point, that doesn't mean you're being racist. Yeah. You know, it, he was very careful to use, uh, he kept referring to advanced civilization. And I, I thought that was smart, but I think sometimes we, we bring different meanings to that word. True. But, you know, we, we live in modern civilization, right? But that's all over the world, at, at least in, you know, uh, economically advanced countries, right? Uh, and so I think that was one of those things that people read into. And then the other thing that I, I saw happening uh, since we did the show is some groups that were that are racist uh, were trying to link things back to like sort of manipulate Graham's points into fitting yeah. like, yeah. oh, there was a, an Aryan culture kind of almost like getting back into some of the early theosophy. Uh, but of, even, the, even theosophy wasn't talking about like white people. No, no, no. But it's that manipulation again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, and I, I I said this on the show before, too. I don't love Graham. I don't dislike Graham. I I just try to take whatever he puts out there and digest it. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I didn't feel like his uh, uh, um, the chip on his shoulder that people talk about was uh, as bad as I expected it to be when I went in to watch the show. Um, but you know, I, I went to school for anthropology originally I didn't finish my thesis, but a lot of the criticisms that he put out there were things that I agreed with. And, uh, anyhow, just to think that civilization has always been on a, a progressive trend of advancement to me just seems ridiculous. Um, uh, obviously things happen and, uh, sometimes things that are bad happen and have, we've, we've talked about asteroids already if you had something that caused a cataclysm and rapid sea rise and climate change and what have you, you would have lots of people displaced. You would have a lot of death. And then you would have lots of people going back and forth between communities, between groups of people to try and rebuild the skills that they may have lost or they need to change because of the changing environment. I I would say at this point, the powers of B have been so successful, successful at divide at dividing the populace that even a conversation like that becomes political. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, but it's just information. It's ideas. It's not, there's no political agenda here. Right. And, and like one of you said earlier, we, we don't like the idea that there could have been a world ending apocalypse within semi-historical times. Yeah, exactly. Cause you're looking at 12,500 BC. Exactly. And, you know, the idea of the younger Dryas being caused by uh, a comet comet or, you know, whatever, some type of interstellar uh, event is fairly accepted now. It's getting there. It definitely is. I I see a lot more people, you know, in the academic community just, you know, talk about it like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's such an offhanded, like accepted thing. Uh, But you'll never hear mention uh, Graham in that same sense. Again, I think, I mean, I already said this and, you know, uh, spouted off all my opinions on it in the show that we did, but his, you know, I do think that 
You you do have to take all of his research into context, or you don't. But I do think people look at the rest of his research, and you know when he goes into ayahuasca mm-hmm. and the more spiritual aspects of things. And this has nothing to do with you know any of the other uh, issues of how he's dealt with certain indigenous uh, folks in different places. Which I actually don't know about. Um, yeah, I mean, neither do I. I haven't yeah, heard anything about he, that. Yeah. But uh, I think that, you know, all that other stuff that he's into the bait and I'm going to use the quote, quote, unquote, woo stuff, because that's how it comes across, I think, to a lot of people. Uh, it it just it, it turns them off from from it. You know, oh, sure, if he's absolutely. not like an Avi Loeb in that sense. You know, he's 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 really and I think those are great things. I mean, that other stuff I find equally interesting, um, you know, but it's it's uh I think that that I think that's one of the big things that that, you know, seeps into it that a lot of like mainstream has issues with. Oh, absolutely. Well, that that he's challenging their their established paradigms. Yeah. And so is someone like Robert Schock, you know, who is a accredited Boston, you know, university geologist. It's not he's not just a journalist like Graham. This is a guy who can look at the rocks and say, yeah, this is this is what's going on here. Who was the woman who was an archaeologist? Uh, this was several years ago, but I think you might have had somebody on. It was either her talking, or maybe it was on Conspiranormal. Maybe it's both. Where she, I mean, she basically got. She was doing the research down near Punku, I think, uh, in Teotihuacan, and uh, she had come up with some dating, which you know put it back more along the lines of you know Graham Hancock's um, uh, journalistic research. But she and she was essentially like her career was killed blackballed yeah Yeah. Um, i'm forgetting her name i I didn't have her on i know we've talked about that a few times uh but yeah i think it was footprints i think i think she had discovered footprints and and they were reliably dated to way beyond what humans are accepted to be in the americas well these are the famous uh balsequillo footprints possibly in mexico Possibly. Yeah. These oh, maybe that's what maybe it wasn't Puma Punko. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so these were uh, footprints that were left after a volcanic a volcanic eruption. So, you know, the, in the in the in the ashes. Yeah. So you can of, carbon of, date of, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were carbon dated. I, thi- I think that first the 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 first dating was uh, around fifty thousand years of age, which is obviously you know, way, way older than, than mm-hmm. what was, especially at the time, you know, when, when still they were pushing the Clovis Bering Strait yeah. uh, theory. Yeah, that the, the ice corridor. Some, yeah. 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 I think that after that, the, they did a second reading and then it was worse because, I mean, in the sense that, it, it, it was even older. Yeah. They were talking that the second reading gave a a, 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 a date of two hundred thousand years. Years, right, yeah. right. And the thing so is, she we, did she did everything by the book, and she yes, got yes. blackballed. Yeah, yes, right. And within the uh, within the academy at the time, she was doing it. Yep, absolutely. And something yeah. that happened with those footprints, and and happens other places too. Is you'll have creationists uh evangelical creationists yeah use those yes. to try yes. and say okay yeah that's real, the problem but yeah. it actually means that our dating techniques are wrong you know and so by that association it starts discrediting <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah uh, 
AP, and you I, were going to say something? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, not me. Oh, I thought I heard you start to talk. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Cremo talks about them a, a fair amount, too. Who did? Uh, oh, Cremo. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Cremo. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, some of this stuff might just be dated wrong because our dating techniques aren't perfect. But to blackball somebody who played by the book and got, you know, a specific date that they didn't like, that's that's not how science is supposed to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we are running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's go around here. Uh, let's see. Uh, AP, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at APstrange.com. Um, I'm still on Twitter. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Even though um, apparently there's a huge data breach there and people's uh, uh, people's profiles aren't very secure. Really? But <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the know. latest news. Isn't there like 10 people that works in the office on bunk beds or something? Yeah, and like <laughs> two, two of them are on vacation right now. <laughs> they've got like one of those little like drinking birds hitting a button on a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, yeah, so uh, you can find me there. I'm on all kinds of social media, um, and I'm writing for Paranormality Magazine these days. So there's a new issue out this month that has an article by myself, uh, hopefully writing more for the website as well soon. Awesome. Uh, Red Pill. They can, you can find me, obviously, also on Twitter, <laughs> uh, also on Facebook. And also on my personal website, absorbedbydesign.com. And also at the Daily Grail, dailygrail.com, where you can find uh, all sorts of great stuff. The Daily Grail is one of the oldest running uh, websites dealing with uh, paranormal stuff, paranormal news. Uh, And it is highly regarded by some of the, you know, the, 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 the... the, the celebrities in, in the field, they, they all read the Daily Grail. Yes. Uh, so, you know, go check it out. The Grail is and awesome. You can also be a Patreon. Grail's great. Yeah, there's a Patreon. We also, yeah. Yes, we also have a Patreon. So if you can support us, we will greatly appreciate it. Uh, Chris. Uh, you can go to brightrectangle.com and uh, here. And your two movies, The Hill and the Hole and Corpse. Hill and the Hole, you can go, yeah, and you can go uh, to uh, Trauma uh, to find Trauma Now to find Hill and the Hole and both of them on Amazon Prime. And Super Inframan. Uh, I am no longer on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> Traitor. I know, I know. Uh, it, it just was too much for me. I am on Mastodon and Instagram, and you can always find me around the Discord for where did the road go as well? All right. Thank you all. Thanks, Trav. Thank you. Thanks. There is a Patreon segment to go along with this that will be released to patrons later this week. Again, if you want to become a patron, it's only $3 a month. It helps us out immensely. You get extra stuff pretty much every week, and you get the shows one week in advance. I'm going to take you out now with a band called New Animal. They used to be from Cortland, New York. Broke up quite a few years ago. But still some really quality stuff. You can find all their stuff on uh, SoundCloud, of all places. And I may eventually add it to the Last Exit site. There's a bunch of live performances from them on our YouTube for the Last Exit for the Lost. And that's my music show, if you ever want to check that out. If you like heavier music, thelastexit.org. Anyway, this is a song called Hollow from New Animal. And I will see you next time.
have been listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support. <laughs>